Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour. My name is Amy Wheeler, and today I'm going to talk about what it means to receive counsel from a yoga therapist. And a lot of people automatically have this idea in their mind that, oh, that must mean that we're doing talk therapy. That must mean that we are kind of pretending to be mini psychotherapists. And I want to assure everyone that that is not the case. There is kind of a, an understanding that people who come to yoga therapy for mental, emotional, spiritual support, that they already have this desire to go inward and to look deeply at their habits and patterns and the way they move in the world. Most of the people I talk to have a deep longing for understanding and less suffering and using spiritual teachings to help them reflect on what's going well in their lives, where they maybe could use some support. But what most people don't have when they show up is interoceptive awareness. They don't have sensations in their body that they can connect to and understand very well. So there's really a somatic experience that's also tied into this. And oftentimes there are interventions like asanas or pranayamas or meditations that help people to have that more embodied experience while they're doing the self-reflection that these spiritual teachings can offer. So I'll give you an example. The other day I was doing a practice given to me by my teacher, and it's about an hour of asana that includes chanting. So the whole time you're doing asana, you're chanting. And the first few times that I did this practice, I felt great. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then probably the fourth time that I did it, afterwards, I got really, really sad. My heart felt droopy. My energy level dropped. I just felt unmotivated. I felt crawling under a blanket and hiding. And some really deep realizations came up. I then went into my yogic counseling mode, which I can kind of now do for myself because I know the teachings of Patanjali's Yoga Sutra and the Bhagavad Gita and some of these other spiritual texts. And I can ask myself, I don't even always need someone else to tell me a spiritual story and ask me to reflect on it. I can kind of do a lot of it for myself sometimes. I was really able to get to the bottom of what that sadness was about and then be with it, digest it, process it, release it, and move on to my day. And a few hours later, I felt just fine. So one of the goals of yoga counseling, if you will, is that over time, the student would have this inner interest to start understanding the philosophy of yoga through different texts. And in addition to talking to someone who can help support them in their inner exploration and provide kind of a framework for that, the goal would be that eventually this person would know the teachings well enough to do it for themselves. You know you're a good yoga therapist or a yoga counselor when your student actually comes up with the answer and, and doesn't really need you much anymore. That's a good day. 
Hello again, everyone. I'm back to encourage you to register soon for the 2023 Symposium on Yoga Therapy and Research, or SITAR. There are only a few more days left before early bird pricing ends. So head on over to our website, sitar.org, that's S-Y-T-A-R dot O-R-G, to ensure you do not miss out on these great savings. I'm Marita Greenwich, the Marketing and Communications Manager at the International Association of Yoga Therapists, or IAYT. I'll be flying all the way from Barbados to go to Sitar June 15th to 17th at the Hyatt Regency in Reston, Virginia. After attending Sitar in person for the first time last year, I wouldn't miss it. The presentations were inspiring and it was really heartwarming to be in the midst of a community of like-minded individuals. I left feeling reinvigorated and really excited to apply the learnings from the conference to my personal practice and teachings. Sitar is the larger of IAYT's two annual conferences and is one of the key ways we support research and education in yoga. Sitar is where yoga and healthcare professionals of all kinds come together around the healing practices of yoga. Join us at Sitar and learn from some of the brightest minds in the field of yoga therapy. Remember, there are only a few more days before early bird ends on May 19th. Visit our website, sitar.org, that's S-Y-T-A-R, to register soon. And hopefully, I'll see you in June. Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour. My name is Amy Wheeler and I'm your host. The Yoga Therapy Hour is here to support you on your mental, emotional, and spiritual journey. We talk about things like nervous system regulation, spiritual connection, how to be more involved in your community, how to communicate well, how to manage your mental health. There are so many things that we are excited to share with you in season five of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. And we hope that you will share it with your friends, family, colleagues. All right, let's get into today's episode. So the reason I wanted to do this podcast today was to share with people out there who maybe feel they need mental, emotional, spiritual support, which also includes this embodiment that yoga therapy can offer, but maybe they don't, or you don't feel comfortable going to a psychologist or going to your priest. People get counseling in, in different ways. And just to offer up what it could be like if you thought, hmm, I think I want to try a few sessions of yoga therapy with a focus on learning some of the ancient texts and some of the philosophies of yoga that could help me to suffer less. So if that's you and you're looking for something like that, come on down. We've got plenty of yoga therapists that can help you with that. And in the Optimal State Yoga Therapy Program, we teach the entire Yoga Sutra, all four chapters, word by word. We want you to know this as a future yoga therapist. So that's why I say come on down to Optimal State because I want you to have someone that is deeply, deeply rooted in these beautiful teachings. So there is an assumption when you come for yoga therapeutic counseling that you are feeling something in your body, which we're going to call dukkha. And it's almost like your heart is getting squeezed. Normally in an ideal world, your heart space would be open, spacious, light, 
You would feel life force moving through you. You would feel joy. But I think we all go through these times where that's not happening, where we have dukkha. Some people jokingly call it dookie, (laughs) which I think is kind of funny. So this dukkha literally feels like there's a compression in your heart space. And you may know why there may have actually been an event that caused you. Maybe you got in a fight with your best friend and you're just hurting in your heart. But a lot of times we don't know why we feel that way. We don't know why we're feeling as if our heart is being squeezed. And so that's where yoga therapy comes in because it gives a framework for all of us to explore what's happening inside of me. Why am I feeling this way? And there's a lot of self-analysis that can happen through having someone to talk to that knows the ancient teachings, but also journaling about it, talking to other friends about it, and just kind of examining your lived experience through the eyes of yoga philosophy. So this kind of takes us, the first feeling that you might have is I've got a squeezing of my heart space, a compression, if you will, or a constriction, if you will, but I don't know what this means. I want to explore this further. So then in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, it says, usually there are four different things that would kind of tell you, hey, you're out of whack, you're out of balance, you're suffering a little bit. And the first one is dukkha. You have this constricted heart space. A second one is that your mind has a lot of heaviness and negativity. We call this dour manasya. It's like the glass is always half empty. Why me? Poor me. This little cloud is following you around. That's a sign that you're suffering and that it might be time to do some self-exploration and adjustment of your lifestyle. Another one is that you have physiological changes. We call this Angame Jayatva. And it means you've stopped sleeping, or maybe you're waking up in the middle of the night many times, or maybe you're ruminating about something, or maybe you're starting to way overeat, or you've stopped eating. Maybe your blood pressure has changed. Maybe your bowel movements have changed. Like something in your physiology is off. And another one is that how your breath is moving in and out of your body has shifted. Call it disturbed breathing or shvasa prashvasa. This is maybe there's a wheezing or a gasping. Maybe there's a hold at the top of the inhale, like you're walking around propping yourself up in defense. It could be that your breath has become very short, only two or three seconds, or you feel like you can't quite get your breath. Usually this is a sign that your nervous system has become dysregulated. So these four symptoms of suffering tell us that something's wrong. And what I find interesting is that these are the messengers. Your heart space is feeling contracted. Your mind has gone negative. Your physiology has changed in a direction that doesn't feel good. And your breathing is disturbed. Most of us, when those things happen, we want a pill. We want something to cover up the symptom put me to sleep with sleeping pills or give me a happy pill for my mind or whatever it is. So instead of listening to the message, we could self-explore and and try to work through this. We want to cover it up 
and move on. Now, I will say there are many people that need to be on medication in order to have the energy and focus to do this type of deep reflection on themselves. So we are not anti-medication in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, highly recommended in many cases, if that is what's prescribed by your doctor. But also on the other side of the coin, not only depending on the medication to fix you. Can you come to yoga therapy with an open mind and an open heart to try to work through your disturbed breathing and create new patterns to work through your physiology and maybe do a yoga nidra that helps you decrease your blood pressure to work through that mental negativity. Maybe you're doing some chanting or meditation on the sun and to work through that contraction or constriction of the heart space. Maybe you're going to do some back bending postures to kind of open up your heart again. So we have all these beautiful tools that we can use to help reverse these symptoms of suffering and explore the inner experience that you're having. One thing I love about this kind of yogic philosophy is it's not diagnostic. We're not diagnosing anyone. We are setting up ways for people to have self-reflection. That's it. When I say that, what do I mean? What does it feel like when your heart space is completely constricted? And then you go do 30 minutes of backbending postures. How does it feel during? Is there resistance? How does it feel right afterwards? How does it feel three hours later? How does it feel the next day? That's the self-reflection. That's the self-exploration of, huh, how did that feel? Sometimes it might feel great. Other times it might not feel great. It's not about an outcome and pushing you into something. It's more, how does this particular yoga practice feel in my vessel? We could say the same thing about a negative mind. How does it feel when I'm completely bummed out and can't see anything good? How does it feel to do that 30-minute chanting practice on the sun? And what do I feel during it? What do I feel after? How do I feel later in the day? That's the self-reflection. And what the yoga therapist is doing is setting up a structure to give you something to use this tool or this technology, like a mantra or meditation for you to do that self-reflection. And that's super different than something like talk therapy. Do you agree? And so becoming proficient at setting up these appropriate experiences so that people can feel what it feels like to get a good night's sleep after you do a nice little yoga nidra that is supposed to help you sleep. How does it feel to get a pranayama or a breathing practice? And what effect does it have on you in your lived experience? How does it feel to have a breath-based practice where you're really focusing on the holds after inhale, or maybe conversely, you're really focusing on the holds after exhale? What does that do to your system, to your vessel? That is yoga counseling. And I kind of get jumped out on Facebook. You know, Facebook is that place where I don't think any of us realize that there's actually another person behind the post that when we're ranting and raving and typing in all these nasty things, that there's actually a receiver of that. (laughs) I am that receiver many times (laughs) if you're writing on my page. And I've had a lot of psychologists and a lot of yoga teachers say, yoga counseling, you can't do that. That's out of scope of practice. I don't think they know what it means 
to set up an experience for someone to do a particular type of asana, pranayama, mantra, meditation, nyasa, mudra with your hands and allow that person to experience it for several days so that they can reflect on what's going on inside of them. That's not out of scope of practice. That's not psychotherapy. That's not talk therapy. And I would even argue that a psychotherapist or a talk therapist who's not been trained with 800 to 1,000 hours of training in this area should not be doing that, that they are actually out of scope of practice. How do they know which breathing techniques theoretically could impact someone in a certain way or which meditations could be a benefit or a hazard? So I just think this is such an interesting idea. It's very process-oriented. Process, not outcome-oriented, process-oriented. I love that. Another thing that's a little different that may appeal to you if you are out there and wondering if yoga therapy and yogic spiritual counseling might be something you want to try is this idea that we are not pathogenic, we are salutogenic. So pathogenic means something is wrong with you. We're going to categorize you into these boxes and we're going to label that dis-ease pathology onto you. And then hopefully we're going to give you something to fix you up. And honestly, there's a lot of times where I want that. (laughs) If I have cancer, I want a pathogenic model. I want you to come in and diagnose me, tell me what kind it is, tell me what my treatment plans are, and let's get going. So it's not a bad thing, but it's not what we do in yoga. In yoga, we have what's called the salutogenic model. And a salutogenic model means that we are focused on helping people find well-being and ease. How do we grow that in your life? A lot of preventative ideas. I think after we've gotten really ill, the pathogenic model is probably the way to go. But if we're talking about preventative medicine and lifestyle medicine and moving into shifting those things that caused us to be unwell and creating new patterns. That's what we do in yoga therapy. So after I had my cancer diagnosis last year, I had to look at my life. I got through all the treatments. We're done. All is well. Look at my life and really create a new salutogenic life where I'm doing yoga nidra every single day, where I'm doing my pranayama every single morning, where I'm consistent with my hot water and lemon, where I force myself to get up out of my chair, get away from the computer and go walk around the lake for half an hour, where I consciously dealing from work for two or three days at a time. So I can really connect and link with my husband and my family. That's salutogenic. It's not fixing things after they've gone wrong. It's saying, I have a new chance at life. Where do I go from here? I was I was just listening to an interview and I guess it's a, a quote from Confucius, I think. I hope I'm not misquoting Confucius, but that's what the gentleman on the podcast said. And he said that, Confucius said that every person thinks they have two lives, the one that they're living and the one they wish they were living. And they don't really start to live until they realize they only have one life. And that is this life right here, right now, and how am I going to make the best of it and live the life of my dreams here and now? 
So I'm not thinking, oh, I've got this terrible life and over there, maybe one day it'll be better. But rather, no, what can I do right here, right now to have a better life? Even though life isn't perfect, it's never perfect. We can't wait for perfect. We can't even wait for two, three weeks from now. The idea is let's add in joy right here, right now. So let's add in more positivity, more pleasantness right here, right now. What can you do? Can you put on some music? Can you dance? Can you call a friend and laugh for five minutes? Can you go hug a tree? Can you walk by some water? Can you pick up your kitty and give it a snuggle? Can you smile at your colleague for no reason? <laughs> can, don't be creepy about it. <laughs> can you, I don't know, what, what can you do right here, right now to create more joy and positivity and pleasantness? And then repeat that. Just keep going with that. You know, some people say, oh, it's like spiritual bypassing. Everything's going to be happy and pleasant. No, it's a lot of work to do that. It's a lot of work to get out of your dour manasya, your negativity and your contracted heart and actually smile at somebody even when you don't feel like it. <laughs> it's a lot of work to build resilience and strength and bounce back after really, really hard days. That's hard work. That's not spiritual bypassing. How do you strengthen yourself? How do you nourish yourself instead of allowing yourself to be completely depleted? And I know it sounds like, oh, you're living a charmed life. You have the opportunity to build resilience. Yes, I will admit there are systemic and structural things about society and the, the jobs that we're in and the way this capitalistic society functions. Absolutely, it's tough out there. And yoga is about taking personal responsibility for your body, mind, and spirit. So within the difficulty of the world, what can you do? I remember once when I was a teacher and oh, God bless teachers. It's a hard job, you guys, guys, gals. It's a lot. I was burnt out. I wanted to quit. I was done. I was not having fun anymore, but I forced myself to get a little coffee maker to put some old speakers in my office so I could have a little music in there. I went and got a beanbag chair. I put it in my office. I put a pretty picture on the wall. I put an aromatherapy distributor in my office. Like I made my office pleasant. I still had to work just as hard. There was no way of getting out of that, but I nourished myself so that I could continue. So how can you strengthen and nourish yourself and build resilience within the situation you find yourself in. It's not easy, but you might get creative. And so a yoga therapist could help you work through that. Like, okay, this is my life lock. This is where I am. I don't have money for a beanbag chair and a coffee maker and a pretty rug and a pretty picture. Okay. Do you know I got all those things at Goodwill? <laughs> okay. But let's even say you don't have money to go to Goodwill and get those things. There are ways. So we might need to help you figure that out. And then of course, a yoga therapist would help you develop your long, smooth breathing, which is going to distribute life force and energy throughout your whole system, maybe through some postures, maybe through some breathing exercises. And there's a lot of beautiful tools and technologies that we have to do that. Did you notice that these four are the opposite of the suffering ones? So the dukkha, the contracted heart is the opposite of sukha, the well-being, ease, and sweetness. 
The Dharmanasya, negative mind, is the opposite of Saumanasya, a positive, pleasant mind. The Angamejayatva, which is the physiology that is not behaving in terms of blood pressure and sleepless nights and constipation, is replaced by Angastyaryam. And that's the resilience, the strengthening. And then instead of the disturbed breathing patterns, the short, choppy, breath-holding patterns, we go to long, smooth breathing patterns. So I just want to stop there and, and take a breath. Take a breath together. Let's close our eyes. Just feel your breath for a moment, moving in and out of your nose. Taking a pause. Checking in with yourself. How are you feeling right now? If you're walking, please don't close your eyes. You can do this walking. A lot of what we're doing in yoga therapy and yoga counseling is redirecting the mind and the senses back inward to check in with yourself, to feel again. We call it interoceptive awareness. To notice when your nervous system has become dysregulated and say, oh, okay, I have overdone it today. <laughs> I just like to remind us that we can stop and pause and check in at any time. Notice if we're feeling disembodied. And if your eyes are not open, go ahead and open up your eyes. So yesterday I, I had a meeting that left me feeling really disembodied. I couldn't feel my legs and my knees and my feet from about my belly button on down. I, I really got into almost a freeze response in my nervous system. And so I said, I have to get up from my computer. I cannot sit through this. I have to go walking and move some life force through my legs. And I went and did that for a half an hour and felt a whole lot better. That's yoga therapy. And that's what yoga counseling is trying to teach us to do, to recognize when we've gone into those fight, flight, or freeze states and have the self-awareness to then step back and be like, okay, what is my best case scenario right now? What could I do for myself right now to take myself out of fight, flight, or freeze? But before you can think about doing anything, you just have to stop and breathe and feel to even recognize what's happening in your body. And that's what a yoga therapist is doing when they're counseling you. They're stopping you, getting you back in your body, helping you to feel your breath, noticing if you're having a constricted heart space or your breathing is off and asking you to pay attention to that. It may sound strange, but I honestly didn't know how to do any of that until I trained to become a yoga therapist. I went through decades of complete disembodiment and really not feeling my own body sensations because nobody told me that was a thing. Nobody pointed out to me when I appeared dysregulated I didn't even know there was such a thing as being dysregulated. And I think with all of the rise in interest now 
in neurodivergence and autism and ADHD. I don't know if you all are on TikTok, but I am. <laughs> I'm on the mental health neighborhood of TikTok. It is on fire. There are people talking about nervous systems that are dysregulated and overwhelmed and how do you do it? What the people on TikTok don't know is that that's our scope of practice. That's what we do. And I'm not saying there aren't some really great psychotherapists out there that can do that also, but I think we do it in a different way. We do it from this lens, this spiritual lens that there is something deep inside you that is always been there. It's eternal. It will always be there. Even after this physical body is gone, there's a place deep inside you that you already know everything you need to know. And there's a place inside you that's free of fear, that feels safe. Those are yogic teachings. Those are getting borrowed by other people and have at it. I mean, the more the merrier. I applaud that. But let's not then say there's no place for yoga therapy and yoga counseling because we're the original. <laughs> we're the ones who are 5,000 years old. We're laying the foundation for modern psychology. And that's not to say that you might not go to a psychologist and a yoga therapist together or simultaneously, I should say. But this deep, deep spiritual teaching that has been around for a long, long time is very powerful for people. Another teaching that we see in kind of the yoga therapeutic realm are that there are obstacles that keep us suffering. And I like to think of it as irrigating a field that ideally the irrigation gates would open and the water would gracefully and with ease come into the, the field to water the plants. That would be ideal. But unfortunately, these obstacles, these nine obstacles from Patanjali's Yoga Sutras keep the irrigation gate closed and the water doesn't flow. So the idea here in yoga counseling is that if the person can figure out what their obstacle is and remove it for themselves, the water will flow. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to change you. We just have to figure out what's holding you back or you have to figure out more importantly, what's holding you back. And then you can work on that and hopefully remove that obstacle. So things like physical disease, maybe being in chronic pain, things like, gosh, my mind feels so mentally heavy and dull all the time. How come? Why is my mind feeling like that? Or why am I having so much self-doubt? Or gosh, I'm always rushing into things, being too hasty and too impatient, and it never turns out well. Is it possible I could slow down a little bit and look at what's about to happen, predict the suffering that I might be walking into? Am I just being lazy? Am I overindulging my senses with food, drink, shopping, you know, who knows what? Do I have either a low sense of self, low self-confidence, or too big of an ego, a distorted perception of myself? Do I lack perseverance? Or do I sometimes get to my goal? I have perseverance, but once I get there, then I fall back to where I started. These are the nine obstacles that we might have you meditate on. We might build a meditation around the nine obstacles and creating a container for you, the 
the person who's getting the counseling to kind of explore which obstacles come up again and again and again. So when I've done this exercise, kind of set my own meditation up for myself, what one constantly comes up is haste and impatience. That's the one that gets me in trouble every single time I jump in too quickly and say yes, when I have no business saying yes. Most of the other people that I work with, their big one is some shia or doubt. I would say 80% of the people when I set up a, a reflection activity for them to look at this within themselves, they come back and say, oh, I've got so much self-doubt. It's like a interesting thing that so many people have self-doubt. So that would be an example of something we might give you to go home and reflect on, go home and journal on. What are the obstacles that are holding you up? So you could then bring that to your psychotherapist and say, oh my gosh, I realize I have really low self-esteem or all this self-doubt. You, you could do that. Or you could come back to your yoga therapist and say, hey, can you help to write me a daily practice that will help me work through that? Can you give me a chance? Can you write a meditation for me? Are there any breathing exercises that can help with this? Are there any mudras or niyasams with my fingers that I could use if I'm sitting in a meeting and feeling low self-esteem? Is there anything I can do with my hands under the table to help remind myself that I'm enough? That's what we as yoga therapists can do to help. And there's a beautiful concept in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, which says, if we are to uncover these obstacles, we have to move in a certain direction and give it our best effort through daily practice and let go of the outcome. We're not very good at that as a society and as individuals in the society to say, yeah, I really want to work on not being so overly indulgent in my senses. I really want to not have three cookies every single day. Nothing wrong with cookies, but maybe not every single day. And how are we going to move towards a place where we have a plan for when the cookie cravings come, but we also give up the outcome. If we end up with the cookies, it's okay. We'll try again tomorrow. We'll see what we learned from the cookie experience. I love that. There's no shame. There's no blame. There's no, you failed. It's just, okay, let's try something. Let's try some different meditations. Let's try some different mudras. Let's try some different chants to figure out how you can move in a direction that you want to go and then be gentle with yourself, even if it doesn't work out. And then lastly, there is a concept in the Yoga Sutra chapter two called Kriya Yoga that says, you know, we're going to try to go in this new direction. We're going to try to have some discipline around it. We're going to watch ourselves struggle with wanting the cookies, but also knowing that we're trying not to eat so many cookies. And if you do, you're bad and you failed. No. Tapas means friction. The idea is that if I want cookies at two o'clock, and right now it's 1.53, and every day I have my coffee and my cookies, but I've kind of decided, okay, my blood sugar is not that great. I'm just giving an example. It's not to me personally. What do I do at two o'clock? I sit here and I think, hmm, I decided I didn't want cookies every single afternoon at two o'clock. I wonder if I could make it till 2.05. And during that five minute window, could I explore 
the sensations in my body? Could I explore if I feel dysregulated in my nervous system? Could I observe the thoughts that are coming up? The repetitive thoughts around, I really want the cookies. Am I going to get the cookies (laughs) for five minutes today? And then I can go have the cookies. Maybe two weeks later, I set a timer for seven minutes. I'm going to explore this human experience. I'm going to learn and I can still have the cookies or 10 minutes, or I decide there's a substitute. I don't know if you all know this, but there is a beautiful tea house out East. I don't know if I want to tell everybody the name of it because you'll all be ordering. They have carrot cake tea made of herbs. And I am here to tell you that tea it's caffeine free and it tastes like carrot cake. It is the yummiest thing I've ever tasted. That might be a nice substitute. I I drink carrot cake tea all the time now, by the way, (laughs) because I feel like I had a treat. I feel like I nourished myself and yet I'm getting hydrated. I'm not having caffeine. I had some sweetness in those specific herbs that are in that carrot cake tea. And I feel satisfied to not have the cookie, right? So that's what I mean is we are exploring. We are having that disciplined and then the self-awareness and self-reflection. And lastly, after we've had that little bit of tapas, kind of saying, okay, I'm going to take five or seven or 10 minutes to reflect and have some self-awareness or maybe substitute, then I can surrender to it. I can say, I did my job, whatever happens. And if you end up with the cookies, fine. And if you don't, that's fine too. It's no big deal because it's a journey. It's not a destination. And I think as we surrender to whatever happens, as we give it up to something larger than ourselves with compassion and kindness, we kind of let go of the shame and the blame. And I think that's when the real progress for whatever behavior change we're working on can start. As long as there's shame and blame, that becomes the focus and not the exploration of lived experience here and now and being with ourselves as we feel that friction, as we do the self-reflection and as we let go of the outcome. So I just wanted to share some of these ideas with you because as I said, some people may love this kind of spiritual approach to counseling, this self-empowered reflection of of what's happening in your life with a spiritual focus, it may be something that you would enjoy. And then you take it from your session with your yoga therapist and you usually get a practice, some kind of postures or breathing or meditation or chanting or mudras or journaling or some other activity to help you continue that process of self-reflection in between sessions. And it's a really beautiful model So I wanted to share that with you today. This is part two. The first part of this conversation was on March 10th of 2023. If you want to go back, it's episode number 10 on March 10th. And I think I just wanted to share this with you so that if you're someone that maybe would find interest in having yogic counseling, This is the type of thing that we at Optimal State focus on. We train our yoga therapists to do just this. 
in addition to helping people with a lot of other mental, emotional, and spiritual problems. But I think this is kind of unique to our tradition of, of Krishnamacharya and to the mental health focus that we have here at Optimal State. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will talk to you next week. It's my honor and pleasure to share this time with you whenever you can spare the time to be with us. And I also wanted to share that in the fall of 2023, we have an Optimal State Yoga Nidra program that's starting again in October, October 13th through 15th. And that is also a really nice kind of shorter program. Even if you're not thinking that you want to become a full yoga therapist, you might want to become a yoga nidra facilitator because it has a lot in common with the types of things that I just talked about today. And it's a much shorter training than the full two and a half to three years of yoga therapy. It's only six months of training. But I think it's a really valuable resource, especially for psychologists and for other healthcare professionals that maybe want to start tiptoeing towards this ancient philosophy and these ancient teachings, but you're maybe not ready to become a full-on yoga therapist. And I would also say there are other people that are out there and listening in the general public that just might want to become a yoga nidra facilitator because it sounds like fun. So Thank you for listening today, and we hope to talk to you soon. A special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.